What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode, I'm going to be previewing some NFL Week 1 matchups. Going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys taking on Tempe Buccaneers this Thursday. We have the San Francisco 49ers traveling on the road to take on the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell's first ever game as an NFL head coach. We have the Steelers taking on the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns taking on the Kansas City Chiefs in my game of the week. Now, before we get started, if you are a first-time listener of the podcast, make sure that you go ahead, leave a five-star review down below. Also, make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel, JT Sports, and make sure that you follow me on my social media platforms. My Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JT Sports underscore. Now, the first game that I want to preview, we have the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Tempe Buccaneers this Thursday. It's going to be the first game to kick off the official regular season of the 2021 NFL season. Tempe right now is a seven and a half point favorite heading into this game. When you look at Dallas, I think their offensive line could be at a disadvantage in this game due to injuries right now. Offensive tackle, Lael Collins is doubtful for this game. Zach Martin probably won't play in this game, neither due to COVID. Now, you do have offensive tackle Tyron Smith. He's currently listed as questionable with an elbow injury, but I think he most likely will play in this game. Now, when you look at the offensive line of Dallas, okay, and you look at the Tim Bay Buccaneers defensive line, you got Jason Pierre-Paul, you have Nadonikin Sue, like you have Shaq Bear. There are a lot of good pass rushers on that Tempe Buccaneers defensive line. And when you look at Dallas off the line, the off the line struggled last year at times due to injuries. But I think with this game, okay, you have Tyron Smith coming back. Although you're going to be without Lyle Collins and Zach Martin, I think that the off the line for Dallas shouldn't be too bad. But at the same time, I definitely think that they're going to be heading again to this game at a disadvantage when you look at how good the defensive line is for the Tempe Buccaneers. Now, my biggest concern is going to be how improved is the linebacking core going to be for Dallas because last year their linebackers did not play well. And I think that that's going to be the biggest X factor in this game, okay? Because first, you got to ask the question, how are they going to be against the run? Because last year, Dallas had one of the worst run defenses in all of the NFL. They were 31st in rushing yards per game allowed, allowing 158 rushing yards a game. Then on top of that, how are they going to fare in pass coverage against the tight ends of Tampa Bay? Because Tampa Bay has Rock Ontowski. You have OJ Howard coming back. You have Cameron Brait there. So if I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan... I am extremely concerned about how my linebackers are going to fare in this game. Now, you did bring in defensive coordinator Dan Quinn, formerly the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, and he's making some changes there. But overall, okay, are the changes defensively going to be enough? And on top of that, not only do you have to be concerned about your linebackers, but how's that secondary going to look? Because outside of Trayvon Diggs, you don't really have any cornerback right now outside of him who you can be confident in saying, hey, yeah, I trust him to match up against Mike Evans, or I trust him to match up against Antonio Brown, or I trust him to match up against Chris Godwin. So when you look at this Dallas Cowboys defense, there are a lot of questions that 
that are going to be answered in this game. We're going to find out fairly quickly just how improved this defense is going to be. Now, this is week one. So, of course, this defense can get better over the course of the season. But Dallas defense, they're drastically going to be tested. And they're going to be tested heavily against a really stacked Tempe Buccaneers offense. Their linebackers are going to get tested. Their secondary is going to get tested. And quite frankly, I think that Dallas defense right now... Compared to Tempe's offense, it is a mismatch. Now, if Dallas wants to win this game, okay, you're probably going to ask the question, okay, JT, you say we may be at a mismatch, you know, compared to our defense to our offense. What do we have to do to neutralize that? Well, this sounds pretty much cliche what I'm about to say, but you guys already know what I'm about to say. If you want to win this game, you're going to have to get pressure on Tom Brady. And I hate saying that because I like to kind of switch things up. I don't want to sound so repetitive, but that's pretty much, you know, the game plan when it comes to stopping Tempe's offense, okay? If you can get pressure on Tom Brady, you can get in his face and you get him rattled and you can get a couple of hits on him, you have a very good chance. Remember when the Chicago Bears last season pulled off that upset Thursday night against Tampa Bay? That's because they were able to get consistent pressure on Tom Brady. Remember when the Rams were able to beat the Buccaneers last season? That was because they were able to get consistent pressure on Tom Brady. And I know that it sounds so cliche, but it honestly is the God honest truth what Dallas has to do defensively if they're going to be able to slow down this pass and attack for Tampa Bay. Now, is the pass first going to be there? Is the Marcus Lawrence going to show up this season? Because last year, I didn't really hear his name called at all. All I remember is that he signed that big contract, and after that, he pretty much disappeared. So, you know, that bank account was getting filled up, but the sack numbers weren't getting filled up for him. So he's drastically going to have to show up in this game he's gonna have to have a big impact now can the Dallas Cowboys secondary slow down the Tempe Buccaneers wide receivers okay because the secondary is also a big question mark you have Antonio Brown Mike Evans Chris Godwin there you're also going to have OJ Howard Rock and Toski sometimes they're going to end up flexing out wide so if this Dallas Cowboys secondary can hold their own against the Tempe Buccaneers wide receivers, then quite frankly, this is going to be a very long game if you are a fan of defense for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, on the bright side, okay, if this is a game that Dallas isn't able to get some stops on defense, I still feel confident that they have opportunity to win this game because you have Dak Prescott coming back. He should be able to play in this game. And I think that Dallas can go toe-to-toe offensively with Tampa Bay. When you look at Tampa Bay, you kind of have similar strengths to what Dallas has offensively. You have a pretty good group of wide receivers. You have Amari Cooper. You have C.D. Lamb. You have also... Um, a pretty good group of tight ends. So, I mean, for Dallas, you do have the weapons offensively to be able to go toe-to-toe with the Tempe Buccaneers. The question is just going to be, okay, how's the offensive line going to show up? Now, for me, I think that it's really important that Dallas can get Ezekiel Elliott going in this game. Because if you can get the rain game going, then that's kind of going to neutralize the Tempe Buccaneers' pass rush. And that is my biggest concern. 
is going to be how is the pass protection for Dallas going to be in this game? Because we know that Dallas has weapons on the perimeter. We know about Michael Gallup, who currently is entering a contract year. We know that they're going to be able to get all their wide receivers involved in this game. But the question is going to be, is Dak Prescott going to have enough time to get the ball out to those playmakers on the perimeter? And a good counter a good counter to a good pass rush is a good run game because then if you can run the football you keep the defense off balance therefore if you can run the football with Ezekiel Elliott that's going to make Tampa Bay those pass rushers they can't just pin their ears back and just say okay now we have to actually account for the run also so when you add that you know part of unpredictability to your offense and you can be balanced that's going to help out Dallas in this game and Ezekiel Elliott is coming off a really disappointing year last year as a matter of fact it probably could be considered the worst season that Ezekiel Elliott has had in his career as a Dallas Cowboys so I think that's really important that they get Ezekiel Elliott going really early in this game and also he probably could be really important late in the fourth quarter if this ends up being a three-point or one-possession game because you probably want to keep the Tempe Buccaneers offense off the field as much as possible because I don't really think that that defense for Dallas is going to be that improved that's what a lot of people think it is or at least what Dallas Cowboy fans are hoping it will be because you still have you know concerns at linebacker is the talent there yes it is you definitely have the talent I'm not denying that I'm just saying okay I don't really think that the Dallas Cowboys defense is simply going to be taking off week one I think that it may take a little bit of time for that defense to finally get things figured out in probably the middle part of the season so I don't really think that defense is simply going to click right away so I do think they're going to struggle. And also, I don't really trust the secondary outside of Trayvon Diggs. I don't really trust anybody. Who else are you going to put out there? Jordan Lewis? And I don't really know. So, I mean, for me, I'm going to take the Tempe Buccaneers to win this game. I think Tempe wins this game. 31 to 24 is my final score prediction in this game. I do think that this game isn't going to be a blowout in 10 Bay Buccaneers' favor simply for the fact that I do think that Dallas can put some points on the board. But overall, I just think that 10 Bay is just a way better team up front. And I think that there drastically is a big mismatch in the trenches between Tampa Bay and Dallas because Dallas offensive line isn't fully healthy and you're looking at a fully healthy Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line that I definitely feel like is going to be able to affect multiple outcomes in how this game goes so I mean when it comes to third down I think that that pass rush is really going to be able to tee off if it's in third and long situations and even though Dak Prescott is going to come back the Dallas Cowboys offense is going to be really good they're going to be able to score points I just feel like that defense for Dallas isn't going to be able to get enough key stops to be able to win this game. So I'm taking the Tempe Buccaneers to win this game. The next game that we have to talk about. This is a game that I am really excited to see. We have the San Francisco 49ers traveling on the road to take on the Detroit Lions. Now, the 49ers are a seven and a half point favorite to win this game. Now, if you were to ask Detroit, Detroit Lions fans, what advantage do they have going into this game? A lot of Lions fans are going to tell you the advantage that we have, JT, is the fact that we have a new head coach. And you say, okay, you have Dan Campbell, 
who I like a lot. Okay, what advantage is he going to bring in this game? Well, they're going to tell you, we have the advantage that the 49ers don't have no film on us. They don't know what they're going to what we're going to do. They don't know what our tendencies are, what we like to do on defense. They don't know how often we like to blitz, how often we play man coverage, how often we play zone coverage. They don't know how often we like to run the ball to either the left side or the right side. They don't know how often we like to run counter run plays. They don't know how often and we like to run power run plays, zone run plays. They really don't know anything about us, JT. And with that, you know, I kind of understand where Lions fans are coming from when you have that sense of unpredictability. You don't really know what to expect if you are the 49ers coaching staff. But I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't really think the new coaching staff of Detroit and them being unpredictable and the 49ers not having film on them is going to be the reason why Detroit wins or loses this game. And the reason why I say that is because I actually went back because I hear this pretty often. Every time a team has a new head coach, people always say, you know, you don't really know what to expect. So I actually had my stats and info department run this by me and the stats and info department actually is me and actually looked up records for new head coaches with new teams. And those coaches over the last three years have a combined record of two wins, 17 losses, and one tie. In 2020, the first year head coaches or the new head coaches last year went one and four. Ron Rivera, Matt Rule, Kevin Stefanski, Joe Judge, and Mike McCarthy went one and four last year in their week one debuts. 2019, the head coaches who made their week one debuts, they went one, six, and one. You had Cliff Kingsbury who ended up having that week one tie with the Detroit Lions that year. Then in 2018, the new head coaches of that year went 0 and 7. So if we're going by statistics and analytics over the last couple of seasons, first year head coaches or head coaches on new teams haven't really had a lot of success when it comes to week one. And also another argument that I kind of have against the whole claim of having a new coaching staff, you have a sense of unpredictability is there are 32 teams in the NFL, right? And nearly every offseason, half those teams either bring in new head coaches, they fire their old head coach, they hire a new head coach, and either you have to replace their offensive coordinator or your defensive coordinator. So when you look at the 49ers, D'Amico Ryans is their new defensive coordinator. He's going to be replacing Robert Sala. So I could say that, okay, the Detroit Lions offense is at a disadvantage because you don't really know what to expect from D'Amico Ryans' defense because for all we know, his defense could be ranked completely different from what Robert Sala runs. Same thing for the Buffalo Bills. They could be at a disadvantage defensively because the Pittsburgh Steelers have a new offensive coordinator in Matt Canada. So I really don't buy the lot that the Lions have a slight advantage because the 49ers don't really have any film on what the 49ers or uh, what the Detroit Lions like to do, what their tendencies are. And these new head coaches are 217 and 1. So 
the stats don't really back the claim up that, you know, the 49ers are going to be at a disadvantage because they don't really know what to expect. But if you are a Lions fan and you're looking for a legitimate, you know, reason for why you could win this game, I really like the defensive line for Detroit against the offensive line for the San Francisco 49ers when it comes to passing situations. If Detroit can shut down the run of San Francisco and they can get San Francisco into a situation where they have to beat you throwing the ball 30 to 40 times, then I think this game drastically favors the Detroit Lions. Now, you may be like, okay, JT, um, the Lions secondary isn't all that great. If you're a 49ers fan, which I will agree, but I don't think the secondary is bad. I definitely like their corners. I still do have confidence in Jeff Okuda. I do like Amanya Rourie a lot, but I don't trust the back end of the secondary, especially the set, the safety position for Detroit. That really concerns me, but I do like Amanya Rourie and I do like Jeff Okuda. But the main reason why I think this game could tilt Detroit's way if the 49ers have to win this game by throwing the football simply for the fact that that defensive line that Detroit has this year is going to be really solid and their pass rush is really overrated. You have the Okura brothers, you still have Trey Flowers. So I mean, like I really like the pass rush for Detroit against the pass protection for the 49ers if the 49ers have to win this game throwing on the football and by the way I don't really think there's a high chance that Trey Lance plays in this game or starts simply for the fact that he's had like some thumb he had like a thumb injury that he had to have like some slight surgery for so I doubt that he's going to play in this game so I'm expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to be the starting quarterback in this game and if Jimmy Garoppolo has to win this game by airing the football out 30-40 times I think this game tilts towards the favor of the Detroit Lions. Now, when you look at the 49ers, okay, what is the advantage that you have going against Detroit? Okay, well, I think the biggest advantage is going to be the linebackers of Detroit aren't really all that great. Not only are they not great against the run, but they're also not really all that great in pass coverage. So when you look at the 49ers... And you're Kyle Shanahan, you're going to come out and you're going to try to get that run game going. And you shouldn't really have that difficult of a time because I don't really think Detroit's run defense is going to be all that greatly improved. So if the 49ers can come out here and get the run game going and you're able to control time possession, you can keep Detroit's defense on the field and you can keep their offense off the field you're going to have a pretty good chance of winning this game because that's pretty much what San Francisco likes to do. This is a team that wants to run the football 30, 40 times down your throat. And if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I'm going to try to... If I was Kyle Shanahan, my first three plays would be run plays because I want for Detroit to show me just how improved that run defense is. You can talk all you want to. Lions fans are going to say, yeah, we got a new staff. Our run defense is going to be as bad as what it was last year. Our defense is going to be improved and all that's good, but I want you to prove it to me on that first drive. So if I'm Kyle Shanahan and I'm calling the plays for San Francisco, I'm running the football until Detroit can show me they can stop it. Then on top of that, okay, you have Nick Bosa coming back. He pretty much 
missed the whole entire season last year and I'm really intrigued in seeing how Penny Sewell plays in this game because he's either going to be matched up against either Nick Bosa or Arik Armstead and Penny Sewell I don't think he had as bad as a preseason as a lot of people try to make it out to be I think that he kind of struggled during the preseason simply for the fact that he was learning that right tackle position because I believe when he came out of Oregon he played left tackle and you just can't really make the transition from left tackle to right tackle or right tackle to left tackle and think that there's not going to be a little bit of a learning curve because a lot of people think that and it's not as easy as what a lot of people think this just isn't mad and when you can go ahead and change your positions of your offensive tackles like there's a learning curve okay like there's a different technique from playing left tackle than it is from playing right tackle vice versa there's a different technique from playing right tackle to left tackle so of course Penny Sewell was going to have some struggles earlier and making the switch but I do think that he has to have a pretty good game. And the reason why I say that is because offensive tackle is one of the most underrated and one of the most important positions in all of football. And I'm not saying underrated in terms of, you know, it's not that important because it really is important. I'm just saying underrated in terms of how the media looks at it. Okay. Like if the, if somebody has a bad offensive tackle, of course, everybody's going to call it out. But a lot of people don't realize how many wins having a good offensive tackle means. If you have a great offensive tackle, you're probably going to end up winning two, three games solely based off that meanwhile if you have a bad off the tackle you probably could end up losing three games because of it off the tackle is one of the most important positions in all of football and it isn't talked about enough because it equates to more runs so when you look at Penny Sewell he's going to be matched up against one of the more premier pass rushers and Nick Bosa or either Rick Armstead so I think that it's really important that he ends up having a really big game because if he doesn't and he has a week one where he struggles like how we kind of saw him struggle in the preseason earlier on a couple of weeks ago then that's going to be really big because those plays that Penny Sewell struggles in could result in a sack. It could end up being a big sack in the red zone or a big sack on third down. Like, I think it's really important that Penny Sewell performs really well. And I'm really intrigued to see how he handles himself making his first official NFL debut in the regular season. Now, how will the 49ers defense look with new defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans? Are we going to see a drop off or will the 49ers pick off pick up right from where they left off last year because Robert Sala did a really phenomenal and fantastic job with this defense last year and we know how good of a coach and a defensive mind that Robert Sala is but last year was really phenomenal because you had a lot of injuries and despite the fact that you had a lot of injuries and you were pretty much picking guys off the street the 49ers still managed to have a really elite and great defense so I want to see if this defense is going to have a drop off under D'Amico now, for those of you guys who are not familiar with D'Amico Ryans, he formerly used to be a really solid linebacker in this league a couple of years ago. And I want to see, you know, what is his philosophy going to be? Is he going to blitz a little bit more often than Robert Sala? Is he going to call zone a little bit more often than Robert Sala? Is he going to play man-to-man coverage a little bit more than Robert Sala? We really don't know how this defense and what his philosophy is when it comes to calling plays defensively. Now, for Detroit, since they are the underdog in this game, 
What do the Lions have to do to pull off the upset? Well, I think the most important thing that the Detroit Lions have to do if they're going to have a chance of pulling off the upset is they're going to have to be able to win on those early downs. They're going to have to be able to win on first and second down and get the 49ers into third and long situations. And the reason why I think that's very important is because I don't think that the 49ers offensive line is as good as what a lot of people think that it is. And you're going against a really formidable pass rush that the Detroit Lions possess. So if the Detroit Lions can get the 49ers into third and long situations, obvious pass passing situations, then you play right into the strength of their defense, which is going to be their ability to create and get pressure on the quarterback. Versus if you can't win on those early downs if you can't win on first and second down and you put the 49ers in a situation on third down where they're looking at a third and short third and three third and four then they still have the opportunity to still pick up the first down by running the football so if you're Detroit you have to get them into those third and long situations and take away their ability to run the football which is easier said than done now of course we still have to talk about George Kittle who also missed a good amount of the season last year due to injuries listen you're not going to stop George Kittle you you can double team him you can do whatever you want to do a lot of people all always like it's just so cliche okay everybody every time somebody faces a good wide receiver or a good tight end the fans always go in the comment section oh man we're just going to double team him like it, it doesn't work that way, okay? And then for Detroit, you're not going to stop George Kittle. The best you can do is, you know, try to contain him. George Kittle is still going to get his. And on top of that, not only is he going to be a focal point in the passing game, he's also one of the best run-blocking tight ends in the league. So George Kittle is going to have somewhat of an impact on this game, rather than it be in the run-blocking department or in the passing game. I don't really think that the Detroit Lions are going to try to stop him. I think they're just going to try to neutralize him okay like there's not really a game plan to stop in George Kittle you just have to try to do the best that you can okay so the Detroit Lions main focus should be going all out stocking the box stop stacking the box trying to force the 49ers to beat you throwing the football if the 49ers have to win this game by throwing the ball 30 40 times with Jimmy Garoppolo I think the Detroit Lions have a very good chance of pulling off the upset but I'm going to end up going with the 49ers to win this game. I know Lions fans are really excited about having, you know, all their fans back due to COVID. And I definitely feel like that's going to be a big advantage. But at the same time, I feel like the 49ers are going to be able to win this game simply for the fact that I don't really think that the Lions run defense is going to be all that improved. I'm still not really high on the linebackers. And I think that's going to be a really big issue because I don't think that the Detroit Lions are going to be able to stop that run game. I think the 49ers are going to be able to run the football at will and I think they're going to be able to win the time of possession battle and that's why I'm going to take the 49ers to win this game but I am going to take Detroit with the under I don't think that the 49ers are going to cover I think that this is going to be a really close game and I think the final score is going to be San Francisco 21 And Detroit, 17 is my final score prediction for the 49ers taking on the Detroit Lions. So you guys let me know who you guys have winning that game down in the comment section down below. Now, next up, 
We have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills are a six and a half point favorite going into this game. Now, the Bills have had the Steelers number the last couple of times they have played. Now, my biggest concern for Pittsburgh heading into this game is going to be how is this offensive line going to look? Because the Steelers lost pretty much the whole entire offensive line, okay? You got rid of Villanueva. You lost um, Pouncey. You also lost David DeCastro. So you have pretty much a whole entire group of offensive linemen who are going to be starting in this game for Pittsburgh. So how is this new offensive line going to look? How good is it going to be in run blocking? And how good is it going to be in pass protection? Another thing is going to be... Not not only do you have new faces on the offensive line for Pittsburgh, but you also have a new face when it comes to who's going to be calling the plays offensively. Last year was Randy Fickner. This year is going to be offensive coordinator Matt Canada. Matt Canada, formerly last year, was the quarterback's coach for Pittsburgh. He's taking over play calling duties this year. So how different is this Pittsburgh Steelers offense going to look? What are Pittsburgh, what does he like to do? Now, I've heard that Matt Canada's offense kind of resembles Sean McVay's offense to a degree a lot of motion a lot of guys moving around the formation and I think that's really good because you have that deception you also have the fact that Pittsburgh likes to use Chase Claypool on jet sweeps a lot so you have a different look offensively and one thing that Pittsburgh has been preaching all offseason when it comes to the offensive line has been physicality. Pittsburgh wants to bring back that physical offensive line play. And Pittsburgh wants to get back to that physical brand of football where they want to run the football 30, 40 times down your throat. That's kind of the Pittsburgh Steelers team that we remember of the past. Over the last couple of years, Pittsburgh has been a team that has been a little bit more finesse. they rather beat you throwing the football 30, 40 times than running the football 30 40 times and with Big Ben getting up there in age and showing signs of aggression you can't throw the football that many times and last year Pittsburgh had a really hard time getting big plays downfield simply for the fact that they couldn't run the football so you couldn't utilize play action and on top of that Pittsburgh didn't really call a lot of shots down the field so the defenses pretty much were just playing up close they were saying hey man show us that you can throw the football downfield and Pittsburgh was unable to do that. So for me, that run game is going to be really important for Pittsburgh in this game. But when you look at Buffalo, okay, how improved would their pass rush be? Because their pass rush wasn't bad last year, but it was it was average. If Buffalo is going to be the Super Bowl caliber football team that Bills fans are hoping they will be this year, they're going to have to be a lot better when it comes to getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. And they have a lot of young talent on this team when it comes to the pass rushing position you have AJ Epinesa going into year two you still have Ed Oliver you have rookies Gregor Russo and Carlos Basham Gregor Russo has looked really impressive coming off a really solid preseason outing when he has played in the preseason so I mean you have a pretty young group and a pretty talented group of pass rushers and I'm interested to see if they're going to be able to take advantage of a really questionable Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line now both both these two teams didn't really have a lot of success running the football last year. Okay, the Buffalo Bills were 24th in the NFL and rushing yards per game. The Pittsburgh Steelers were dead last in rushing yards per game, averaging less than 100 rushing yards a game. Now, I think for Buffalo, okay, 
I definitely feel like the running game will improve this year. And I also feel like last year, like they didn't really need to run the football because they were just so damn dominant throwing the football between Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. There really wasn't no reason to run the football. But I really feel like if I had to choose a team who needed to have a better game running the football, I probably would have to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers because if you're Buffalo, Okay, although Pittsburgh has a really great pass rush with Stephon Tewitt coming off a career year, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Melvin Ingram, Alex Highsmith, I still feel like Buffalo could get the job done if they need to win this game throwing the football. I don't really have that same exact confidence in the Pittsburgh Steelers simply for the fact that the more Big Ben throws the football, the more chances you have with turnovers happening. And on top of that, When you have a quarterback that's up there in age, you shouldn't want them throwing the football more than 30 times, okay? So for Big Ben, he should really only have to throw the football 25 times, 30 times at most in this game. For Pittsburgh, you have to get Najee Harris going. Najee Harris needs 20 to 25 touches in this game. 20 carries, minimum. 20 touches, Minimum, Najee Harris is going to be a very big part if the Pittsburgh Steelers win this game. Not only in this game, but for the whole entire season. If Pittsburgh makes it to the playoffs, it's going to be because Najee Harris has a really outstanding rookie season. So for Pittsburgh, Najee Harris has to get going. He has to get touches. You have to get him involved. Now, if Buffalo can bottle up the run game and Pittsburgh has to win this game by throwing the football, I think Pittsburgh is going to be in a lot of trouble. And I'm not saying that Big Ben is just, you know, not good enough to get the job done but I'm just saying with the fact that the off the line has the concerns that they have the questions that they have there and on top of that when you look at some of the older quarterbacks in the NFL the guys like the Aaron Rodgers of the world even when Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers were playing last year their teams weren't asking them to consistently have to win the game throwing the football more than 35 times to 40 times both of those two teams both the Colts and the Saints were able to have legitimate running games taking pressure of their older aging QB. So when you have an older aging QB, you want to make sure that you can have that run game going because you don't want your QB at this age and Big Ben having to carry your team. So if you're Buffalo and Pittsburgh has to beat you throwing the football, then you're rubbing your hands like Birdman because you're playing right into your strength because you already have Trey White, who is one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. You have a really good secondary. You have one of the better secondaries in the NFL. So I definitely feel like if you're Pittsburgh and you getting to a game that you have to win throwing the football, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. That's going to tilt the game towards Buffalo's favor. You also have to look at the fact that, okay, can Buffalo... Can Buffalo force Pittsburgh to beat them throwing the football downfield? Because I know that Big Ben still has enough arm strength to get the ball downfield enough, but I simply don't know if they're going to be able to be on the same page come week one. Because, you know, throwing the deep ball just is more, it's, it's more than just being accurate, okay? There has to be timing. There ha- it's, just, it's just a lot of things that goes into, okay, are you going to be able to get the big plays downfield? And I really feel like if Buffalo can force Pittsburgh to try to 
throw the football downfield, that's also going to play towards their favor. But for OK Pittsburgh, I'm looking at Buffalo, and I'm looking at a Buffalo team that I really like the matchup that Pittsburgh has de- defensively compared to Buffalo's offensive line. I like the defensive line of Pittsburgh against the offensive line for Buffalo. But my thing is going to be, can you limit those big plays that Buffalo had last year between Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and everybody else? Because Buffalo had a really explosive offense. They were able to generate big plays at a snap of a finger. So for me, if you're Pittsburgh, can you limit those big plays? Can you force Josh Allen and Buffalo to have to beat you taking what the defense gives you? Or are you going to allow Buffalo to get those big explosive plays downfield? So for Pittsburgh, you have to be able to limit those big plays downfield. And that's really tough to do because Josh Allen is really good. He has become a really great all-around quarterback. Not only is he really good when he chooses to tuck the football and run, but he's also really patient. When he gets outside the pocket, he's not looking to run. He's looking to give his wide receivers a little bit more time to get open. So it's really difficult to stop this passing attack for Buffalo. But I think for Pittsburgh, if you're able to limit some of the explosive plays, I think that you have a really good shot at winning this game. And on top of that, if Josh Allen has to hold the football longer than what he has to to allow his wide receivers more time to get open, you're playing into the hands of the Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line with Stephon Tuitt, Cam Hayward, and TJ Watt. So I definitely feel like Pittsburgh has the personnel to kind of limit the big plays that Buffalo is going to have. I feel really confident in taking Pittsburgh in this game. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Pittsburgh with the under. And I feel like Pittsburgh is going to be able to win this game. 24 to 20 is going to be my final score prediction. I feel like this game is going to be incredibly tight. I think this game is probably going to have some plays in there where the defense steps up and gets a turnover. I also feel like Buffalo is also going to be able to have some big plays. I don't really feel like you're going to have a whole entire game where you just keep Buffalo from simply having big plays in the past game. Like those big plays are going to happen due to how good of a quarterback Josh Allen is. But I just feel like that the Pittsburgh Steelers won't allow as many big plays down the field as Buffalo normally had every game last year. Say, for example, Buffalo normally had like seven big passing plays per game last year. I think in this game against Pittsburgh, they probably will only have two. Then you have to look at the fact that you have Devin Bush coming back. So when Josh Allen does intend to pull the football down and run, Devin Bush is definitely going to be able to cover that grass pretty fast, which is something that the Pittsburgh Steelers were missing last year when he ended up having his season cut short was the speed that he brought and his coverage ability. So I feel pretty confident in the fact that I trust Pittsburgh to win this game. I'm taking Pittsburgh to win 24-20. Now, the last game that we have to talk about, my game of the week, we have the Cleveland Browns going on the road to face the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are a six-point favorite. This game is going to be played 425 p.m. Eastern Time this Sunday on CBS. The last time these two teams matched off, the Cleveland Browns lost 22 to 17 in the divisional round. And I really feel like if it wasn't for that fumble that happened that ended up being called for a touchback, if that play didn't happen the way that it did, I felt like Cleveland would have won that game. And when you look at these two teams, this pretty much could be a preview of the AFC Conference Championship game this year because these are two of the best teams in the AFC. Both of these two 
two teams are stacked. You pretty much don't really have a lot of areas of concern outside of linebacker if you're a Browns fan. Now, if you're looking at a good player versus player matchup that could dictate the outcome of this game, look at Denzel Ward versus Tyreek Hill. Denzel Ward essentially is a top 10 cornerback in this league going against Tyreek Hill. And that's a very big match for the watch because when you look at Tyreek Hill, he's the best deep ball wide receiver in the NFL. Not only that, but he's really explosive after the catch. So Denzel Ward has to have a really good game in terms of trying to take him out of the game plan for Kansas City and for Patrick Mahomes to look elsewhere. So I think that this is a very big player matchup to watch between Denzel Ward and Tyreek Hill. Can Denzel Ward slow down Tyreek Hill? Now Cleveland has to be able to win the turnover battle if they're going to win this game. Cleveland is a team that likes to run the football. They like to control time position. They want to run the clock down. They want to keep your defense on the field. They want to keep your offense off the field. Where if you run this style of offense and there's nothing wrong with it, you can have turnovers. You can have turnovers like how you did in the division round because turnovers are essentially the biggest reason why Cleveland lost that game. So if you're going to run a run-heavy offense and the offense that's dictated on ball control, then you can't have those turnovers. I also think that's really important that Cleveland is able to score inside of the red zone, okay? Because the Browns had the fourth-best red zone scoring offense last year they scored in the red zone 73% of the time meanwhile Kansas City had the worst red zone defense in the NFL last year allowing opposing teams to score a touchdown 72% of the time when they were inside the red zone so I think that is really big that Cleveland is able to come away with touchdowns instead of field goals in this game now if you're a Chiefs fan you can allow Cleveland to dominate you running the football and controlling the clock. Because even if Cleveland is able to do that, you still feel pretty confident just because your offense can score at will. But if Cleveland's doing this in the fourth quarter and you're down 14, okay, then we have a problem. So Cleveland, what they want to do is they want to dictate how the game goes. They want to dictate the game by keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field. If you're Kansas City, you can't allow that to happen. You have to make sure that you're able to keep that run game with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt in check. Now, Kansas City Chiefs fans are going to say, if we stop the run, then we're going to win this game. I'm not really sure about that. I really think that if Baker Mayfield has to win this game, he can do it. He has the weapons to do so. He has Odell Beckham. You got Jarvis Landry. You have a really great group of tight ends. You have one of the best offensive lines, if not the best offensive line in the NFL. If Baker Mayfield has to win this game, and this game comes down to Baker Mayfield engineering a two-minute drive to go down and win, I think he can do it. I don't know. I no longer feel like Baker Mayfield is the quarterback that you don't want throwing the football to win the game. Okay, I definitely feel like in key moments, Baker Mayfield can win the game for Cleveland. Now, if you're Kansas City, you have a big advantage when it comes to the linebackers of Cleveland. 
Now, Cleveland did drive Jeremiah Wosu Kamora out of Notre Dame, but we don't really know how much he's going to have when it comes to his snap count in this game. Is he going to start? And if he does start, how many plays is he going to be in? So I don't really think that the linebacker position for Cleveland is all that improved. And that's a big mismatch because you have Travis Kelsey. Who is Cleveland going to put on him? Are you going to put a corner on Travis Kelsey? Good luck with that. Are you going to put a safety on him? Okay, I definitely feel like you do have have a safety who's more than capable of being able to keep up with them and John Johnson who you signed the free agency from the LA Rams so that could be a pretty intriguing matchup John Johnson on Travis Kelsey I think that could be pretty fun to watch but overall I definitely feel like the linebackers in Cleveland are a big concern in this game and on top of that okay I look at the Chiefs, the last time they played Cleveland, they were averaging seven yards per play. Essentially, the Kansas City Chiefs pretty much had a first down every two plays against Cleveland in the divisional round. So if you're a Browns fan, you have to limit those big plays from this Chiefs offense. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs have improved their offensive line. And the Cleveland Browns, their pass rush has improved. You bring in Jadavion Clowney, which Jadavion Clowney is a really good Robin. He's not a Batman, but he's a really good Robin. You look at him on the opposite side of Miles Garrett, that can cause some issues. So this Kansas City Chiefs off the line has drastically improved, but it's going to get tested against this Cleveland Browns defensive line led by Miles Garrett, who a lot of people feel can win defensive player of the year this year. So you look at Patrick Mahomes in this game, and you look at what he has to do to win well obviously if he has enough time to throw the football he's going to make his plays okay like if you're a Browns fan you really there's really nothing you can do to really stop past Mahomes because he's going to have a couple of plays when things break down he just has his wild moments but at the same time okay if you can take away Tyreek Hill I think things change because A big part of Kansas City's offense is due to Tyreek Hill's ability to make things happen with the ball in his hands and making those big plays down the field. And I think that Tyreek Hill is responsible for the majority of the big plays that happen for Kansas City. Another thing is that Kansas City isn't all that great inside of the red zone due to the fact that they're not all that great running the football when they get inside the 20, which is something that Kansas City has been focusing on a lot during this offseason, trying to improve the running game, adding some new added wrinkles there. So you look at Clyde Arizalea, okay, what impact is he going to have on this game? So this is a really intriguing game, especially for Cleveland. I mean, can you get off the field on third down? Because the Cleveland Browns were 25th in the NFL last year in third down defense. And if you're going to try to win this game against Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have to try to get him off the field on third down. So the team I'm going to take to win this game, I'm taking Kansas City. They're playing at home. I think the home crowd is going to have a big effect now that stadiums are going to be, you know, nearly full capacity. I think that's going to be a big reason why I'm taking them to win this game. And another reason is because simply for the fact that I just feel like the linebackers for Cleveland aren't really going to be up to par to stop this passing attack because, you know, playing linebackers more than just stopping the run is also being able to drop back in coverage. And I simply think that Kansas City can exploit that part of the field. So I'm going to take Kansas City to win this game 27 
224 is my final score prediction. I think this game is going to be really close. I think it's going to come down to whoever has the ball last. And I think that Patrick Mahomes and company are going to be able to get the job done. So I'm rolling with Kansas City. But I do think that Cleveland will be able to cover that six-point spread because they're a six-point underdog in this game. I will take Kansas City to win, but I'm going to take Cleveland with the under. So you guys let me know who you guys have winning this game down in the comment section down below. Make sure that you like the video and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And thanks for watching. And if you're listening to this on the podcasting platforms, Make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review if you enjoyed this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you share it on your social media platforms with your friends, family, and acquaintances. And I will be back with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast shortly.